0: I'm Brandon Tracy, and welcome back to the Authentic Agent Podcast, where we have honest and open conversations about all things life, real estate, and business. Uh, Today, I'm joined by Adam Hergenrother. Adam's an entrepreneur and CEO of a billion-dollar organization that includes Hergenrother Realty Group, Keller Williams, Vermont, Adam Hergenrother Training, and BlackRock Construction. Adam's podcast, Business Meets Spirituality is one of my absolute favorites and Adam recently wrote a book called The Founder and the Force Multiplier with his very talented chief of staff Hallie Warner. Um, We're going to be talking about failure today and for many of us failure can be a debilitating experience that attacks our confidence and can limit what we truly can achieve in our lives. So, Today, I want to take you on a journey through some of the stages of Adam's career, and instead of highlighting his successes, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the challenges and failures that Adam has experienced, and how he grew from those experiences to break through each stage of his career to build an incredible life and business. So before we get started today, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Like The Authentic Agent on Facebook and follow along as we release new content and we have some exciting things uh, to release to you later this fall, so stay tuned. So Adam, welcome, man. Thanks for being a part of our podcast today. Thanks so much. Thanks
1: for having me on. You know, I want to thank you for all the value that you're bringing to everyone who's listening. I understand how um, people may not understand how much work and time goes into actually producing a show and getting people (laughs) on and all the ins and outs and the... The intricacies of theirs. So I just wanted to say thanks for for what you're doing and, and you know, definitely touching the listeners and, and bringing the people on there to to get the insights, the real kind of behind the scenes, what it looks like to build businesses and to, you know, to go through life. And that's just a, what's a wonderful and refreshing conversation to have.
0: Yeah, certainly. And, and you and I were talking about this, you know, we we're kind of, we're under the, uh, the, the headline here of authentic agent and, and what authenticity is. And I find it really, you, you have a definition of, of what you believe on authenticity is. Would you share that with us before we get going? Yeah, you know, I'd love to unpack the word, if you don't mind, for a second. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, because I think that's such a powerful word that we're throwing around a lot right now. I believe that there is a a natural yearning for authenticity in everybody. And I think that people find themselves um, almost trying to serve two people. And unfortunately, both of them are inside you. You have this collection of thoughts and images that you hold inside your mind. And it's called, let's just call it like your sense of self. You could call it your egoic state of consciousness, but we don't need to throw out big spiritual words to confuse anybody. So we all have created this, this sense of self that really is just a collection of thinking and a collection of thoughts and past, based on past experiences that we're spending so much time and energy holding on to every single day of trying to meet the expectations of this image that we have inside our head. And what people ultimately, when they feel this itch or this drive or this energy that kind of starts overtaking them, they what really they're feeling, is this drive to be authentic which is this drive to move away from this collection of thoughts and images that who i think i am to really allowing this individual inside you who you really are to howl and i love using that word because if you think about a wolf a wolf's nature is to howl and we all have these natures about us and being authentic is allowing that howl to come out it's allowing each one of us to not be afraid of the, I mean, when's the last time you think a, a wolf walked up there and was like, I'm going to howl, but I wonder what the other wolf thinks. <laughs> like it's, not, it's, <laughs> right. not it. it's just howling and the rain has its howl by battering against the windows and a leopard, their howl is in solitude and they speak for themselves and seals are together. It's just, man, this nature about us and each one of us is different. And the nature of ourselves is that authentic place we come from. And when we, when we move from being absorbed with thinking, which is the, the – the, you hear it a lot of like waking up or, or wake up or come to the present moment. All those techniques are doing is designed to get people to move away from this conditioned pattern of thinking and be authentic. And that authentic is letting your own howl out.
0: That's an incredible way to look at it. And, you know, you and I had this conversation the other day where you you can only meet people as deep as they've met themselves, right? And we're in a relationship-based business. Like the best of us in our industry build relationships at a quick and deep level. And what what we find in building relationships is that that vulnerability, that honesty, that authenticity inside of us it endears people to us. It's like the human struggle. We're all feeling it. We're all having this somewhat of a shared pain in the human experience. Not to say that we're not experiencing amazing things as well, but there's areas that we have maybe decided not to connect to each other with anymore because maybe it's taboo to have the conversation or, or whatever that looks like. But I've found that the more vulnerable, humble, honest, authentic that you can be in your conversations, the more you will allow those same types of people to connect with you, the deeper your relationships will go. And I love the the idea of we're in the relationship business and that this kind of authenticity builds trust. And let's be honest, people don't say yes to you in your business unless they trust you, right? And so to think of the relationship building process, the self the vulnerability the honesty that we can like the the more we can bring that out in building our relationships the better off we're going to be um let's talk about you as as an agent like let's go back like and forgive me if i get the dates wrong but let's go back to 2006 or prior adam hergenrothers a real estate agent a budding agent with giant aspirations and dreams and we're and you're out there selling um you know this is where a lot of us are a lot of the listeners are right now where did you fail during this time? And, and what emotional challenges did you go through in the early stages of your career when you were selling real estate?
1: Well, my, my entire career has been a collection of failures that you just succeed from. Right. You, know, you literally just, it's one failure after another, but you keep, you, it's like you just, you fail, but it's like pushing you forward, right? You know, I think it's important. When I was in, um, when I was in college, I had a friend freshman year who was in college, but wasn't in college. He like lived in my dorm room, but did maybe some of you guys know some of those people who just lived for the experience of in college. But actually wasn't attending. Maybe college.
0: some of you were that person, yeah, right? Exactly,
1: exactly. And, um, his father owned a car dealership. And, uh, I think at that point I had like, maybe like, call, like a thousand dollars in my bank account, I didn't have any money. And, um, he, he came to me one day and he said, Hey, you know, I think if you throw in $500 and I throw in $500, we can, I can buy this car. And then I think we can fix it up and sell it. And maybe we can make like a couple hundred dollars on it. And I was like, wow, well, I only have like a thousand dollars, like half my savings. I don't, I was kind of working during college, but I was like, I'm paying my stuff. And I said, he convinced me to do, it. I said, okay. So I gave him $500 and he went and he left and I never thought about the car for that day and he bought it and he told me he was fixing it up and they ended up selling. We ended up making, I think like $2,000 in profit on that car. And the reason it's not the dollar amount. The reason why it's so important was because it was my first taste of actual leverage, meaning like I never saw the car. I never repaired the car. I, I, I invested into a person that allowed me to generate a return based on the dollars, my investment into a human being. Then we just kept rolling our money over, over and over and over again. And finally, when we made up enough money, I also learned the value of contracts because once we made enough money, he said, I don't need your money anymore. You I'm yeah. And so it was there, but I ended up making like kind of like 60 or 70 grand doing that in college, never seeing any car ever, right? We just kept rolling money, rolling over. And I used that to buy my first investment property when I was in college. Um, I think after like maybe a year of doing that, we, we bought our first investment property. But that's a really pivotal point in my life because that was when I, again, I got this visceral, this click, this aha, this conscious contact with what it really felt to have leverage in your life and then you kind of fast forward and i'm not gonna take us all to that journey and then when i started getting into real estate i wanted the experience of leverage I, I tell people i'm actually inherently lazy when it comes to anything that anybody else can do like right and if it comes down to something that i have to do i'm incredibly laser focused on it but if there's something that somebody else can do then i just inherently it's almost like i get like a procrastination or it's like I just I get like I can't do it. Like if somebody else can do it, I always kind of naturally do, do it. So when I first got into real estate, obviously nobody else can do it for you. So I started doing it. I remember the first 30 days. And to remember the timing of this this was late 2006. Um, and, and in our area the market was crashing. People thought I was crazy getting in the real estate period. Um, and, you know and and there's there's reasons why I got into it, mainly because I never wanted to put it, I never wanted somebody to put a box on my thinking. And so I knew I had to be in some sort of business that I owned. And it, the dollar amounts were irrelevant at the time. I think at the time I was like, if I can just make the same amount of money that I can, that I'm making now and have my own freedom in business, which probably a lot of you are thinking the same thing too, then awesome that I'll do that. However, I tell you, there's a shadow side to that thinking just where we're on that topic. The shadow side to that is I want the freedom and be able to do what I do, but the freedom in itself is what causes most people in business to fail mm-hmm. because they want the freedom before they've earned it. It's like yeah. you want to lose weight before you've exercised. You want to be able to run a marathon without training. It doesn't happen that way. It'll eventually happen that way. You've got to earn it first. And by the way, it's much more of a sweeter journey when you earn it. Um, so when I, uh, when I got into 2006, I went out there in the first 30 days. I put three homes under contract. Understand that I borrowed eight grand to start my first business. I took $4,000 of that $8,000 that I borrowed, and I went to a Howard Britton conference. Do you remember Howard Britton right that's yeah. there? yeah. yeah. And I remember going there in the first like hour that I was there, I was like, I've got so many notes that I'm ready to go. Like, I remember thinking like 20 million was such a huge number and I live in Vermont and we have more cows and trees than people. So, you know, that was, to me, was mind blowing. I'm like, man, if I could just do that, how my life would change and be amazing. And man, money would just make my life so incredible. And I just, I saw them up there on stage. I was like, they must be living this incredible life. And I was just so envy of, of that and just been so driven to want to be them, right? That's why I love authenticity. Cause I was so I was like wanted to be them up there, and uh, so I wait, came back and I just put my head down, and uh, I teach this to our team now. And sometimes people remember or forget that I actually sold real estate, but when I when I did, I, I, I put three homes under contract. I remember walking into the the town meet the the, the meeting of the office that I was in. And people came up to you and it was like the first time I saw anybody. I didn't have an office in there. I was working out of a 400 square foot apartment. Um, so I didn't have an office to go to. I remember walking in the office meeting, people were like, Hey, what'd you do? And I actually thought that I had did something wrong. I was like, Well, what do you mean? They're like, Well, how did you because you know they celebrated my names on their three pendings the first month or whatever it was? And they're like, How how did you? Do that? I'm like, Well, what do you mean? How did you put three homes on a contract? I go, Well, is that wrong? Is that low? And they and they go, they're like, No, that's like incredible. And I'm like, it's kind of like naivete, you just don't know, you don't know. And I said, well, then what did you do last month? And I just remember asking that question and they started rattling off and, and I started just thinking about what I did. And here's what I did. I just made a pact to myself that every single day I was going to get an appointment. And it didn't matter. I, w- I was never an agent that said, I'm going to lead journey for an hour. This soon not done an hour, I'm going to stop and then do something else. I just made, business became my sport that day, right? I became like, I was not going to stop until I got an appointment. And did I do it every time? No, but I just, I just, you know, I don't understand people go, they come up these times and go, hey, I just lead generated for three hours. like It's awesome. And I, I go, great. Did you hit your goal? And they're like, well, I didn't quite get it. I go, then why'd you stop? This isn't a celebratory of an hourly thing. This is, you have a goal and you have a task to go after, then do it. And so I just held myself to that standard internally. This isn't nobody else putting the pressure on me at that point. And so I just went out there and did that. And then, um, so kind of fast forward. And I think that's an important emotional part that people need to realize is they need to be able to hold themselves accountable in those early stages, in any stage, but in those early stages to change the pattern of how they think to basically make it results oriented and not some time oriented aspect of their building of the business. Any. Anyway. Yeah, Yeah,
0: absolutely. Because we talk about this all the time. It's like we crave this autonomy, right? We crave the ability to be self-governed, to to own our own day. And and that's what attracts so many people to real estate in the first place, right? Is this idea, this this dream of what that would look like. And then we get here and we realize having that autonomy in the absence of self-accountability um means nothing. And and for a lot of people they get caught in this in, in a spiral so to speak. They start to put they, they start to put their daily expenses on their credit card and they start to learn bad habits. They start to surround themselves with other people who also have those bad habits, right? Just the social people in the office that come and go to the class and like to talk a lot and then they call that work. Well, The work is the hard part. The work's the heavy lifting. It's the discomfort. It's the learning of new skills. It's the failure and evaluation and the repeating of that process. And if you have that in you, if you have that desire, that inspiration, you're back, you know, for some of us, for me, it was back against the wall, have no choice, right? Gotta make this happen. If you have that in you, everything is here. Like everything you saw on HGTV or Facebook, minus the, you know, like the sensationalization of it. But all the opportunities are here, but not without that self accountability, not without that drive to show up for yourself, for your family, for your future every single day. And that's where we're missing. And I think the part that drives me the most crazy about this, Adam, is it's a choice, right? It's a choice that we make. It's a conscious choice to show up for ourselves and our family every day. Why do you think... We struggle so much in this industry with making that connection because the data is there. The failure rates for agents is astronomical in our, in our industry. Why are we not making that connection to the opportunity that we truly have? Well, selling real estate
1: isn't, isn't you know, microbiology where you have to go to school for a long time. It's, it's not hard to understand it. It's hard to execute on what you, you have, to have to do. And I think people get into real estate because the barriers to entry are very low considering the income potential that you can make and that attract, that excites people. And so that somehow they equate that the fact that there's a a barrier to entry that's low equates it to making it easy to make money. And I think people just naturally have this impression that I don't have to work as hard or or I'm going to work hard. I think people have a different understanding of what work hard means when you're working for yourself. I put in, Ten to twelve hour days for seven days a week for three and a half years. Just as wait a minute.
0: Time. Hold on. Say that again.
1: People need to hear that. They they forget yeah. this. I put in ten to twelve hour days, just about seven days a week for three and a half to almost four years before I started taking the time that I could back by hiring people. I was building all along those times. But people need to. And the thing is, you know what the problem is? People hear that and they hear it in fifteen seconds when I said it. Mm-hmm. living that day to day. They don't see how they that they, they see that as them, that being their life. And so they can't equate that to something else. And then they, you know, individuals have this, this understanding of where they want to go, but they're what they really were willing to do to get there doesn't match. Right. And so I always tell people like, look, you come to a team. If you want to do 200 transactions on my in, in our organization, awesome. Here's the plan. If you want to do 15 transactions, here's the plan. As long as you're a cultural fit and you're, and you're, and you're hitting these, these kind of expectations of what we expect, it's, it doesn't just show up magically. You know, the people in Vegas that win in Vegas playing, you know, poker, they're not given a full house every time. They're given the same cards you are. They just are willing to accept the reality of how they have to play the hand. And so if you want to build a big business, you want, to, if you want to break through a pattern of thinking or to the next level, then you're going to have to play the hand and get real with the reality of what it's going to take to do that. If you're not willing to do what it's going to take to get there, then you should readjust your goal so you're not sitting there suffering all the time. And I just see that so much. People are like, go around the room, and like, I'm going to do five transactions this month. And then the minute you say that, in, internally you're going, yeah, but I'm not really going to do that right? Like you say it because it makes you feel good. I would rather somebody go, I'm going to do one this month. I'd rather give somebody a high five and go, thank you for your honesty, right? Right? That's awesome. Do you ever want to do two? Come talk to me. I'll let you know what it looks like. But we just, right? Just, Just people get so caught up with thinking that they need to impress, goes back to authenticity, impress somebody else by saying a big number. And it's almost like they're trying to make themselves feel good. Not trying. They are trying to make themselves feel good based on this self image they've created about themselves that I need to do this. And if I say that I'm going to do it, then that temporarily makes me feel okay. And as long as I just keep repeating that pattern every month of telling myself, I'm going to do it somehow. I imagine that somehow in the future, I'm actually going to do that without changing the actual activity that I'm doing. That's the thought pattern that people go about without actually stopping and realizing thinking plus action equals results change any two of those equations i don't care which one you change first it'll change it and it goes positively and negatively if you're want to go if you want to lose weight the action that you have to change is most likely eating less right then you can change it. Then if, you're ch- if you start eating less, it changes your thinking around food. Maybe you go, oh, I actually didn't realize I don't need this much food, right? If you change your thinking first, if your thinking goes, I actually don't need this much food, and then you actually follow through with that action, guess what you change? The results. Either one that you play with first will change the result. The same thing goes back on the other side. If you're, if you're really healthy, and then you start eating more food, And then your thinking goes around to creating more food and more intake. You're going to gain weight. So it's the same thing in business. It's just, you have to change your thinking or your actions in order to change some result that you've gotten clarity on that you want to actually change absence of any of those. It's not going to magically appear as a present underneath your Christmas tree.
0: Yeah. So what was your biggest challenge as an agent during that time as you as you started to learn this, like whether it's whether it was emotional or it was a skill set issue, whatever it was, what was the thing you had to break through to to the next level? Yeah. You know,
1: at that stage in my life, hubris drove me and that were and honestly proving to myself drove me and proving to the world that I could do this drove me. And That's so true. there was fire in there. That it was all about, I need to go prove to the world and to everyone else that's looking at me that I can do this. And so that was a tr- it worked. <laughs> that was a tremendous amount of accountability where right? I always call it the mercenary approach. And you can build a million dollar net income, multi-million dollar net income being a mercenary. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. You just get to decide how you want to build your organization. If, you're a, if you want to build a mercenary where it's like no holds bar, you're going to have a certain culture. Right, and you, you get to decide what it is. But for me, that was there, and that worked, and that's what drove me. Was proving to the world, and I also had this belief, because I think we're so ingrained to think this, that if I get a house, then I get this next house, and then I get this car, and then I can travel here, and I get this vacation, and I this my money in the bank, that somehow by having these external things, that a like I'm gonna all of a sudden feel differently. Like it's like they're gonna inject me with juice of energy to make me feel good because I have these things. And I think for me, as I went through this stage over, over these three years of really doing that, I got to a point when I remember this conversation, I, uh, um, in fact, somebody just asked me about it just a, an hour ago, um, where I, I had this goal that I was going to make $500,000 in income. And that was like, from the beginning, I was like, if I'm making $500,000 income, this is going to be like the end all, like people are going to bow down to me. Like I'm going to be a hero. Like it just, you know, it's everything, like everything you get going mad, like I'm going to be like a God. Right. <laughs> it's so funny you even say it now. But anyways, like it's so when that, when, when I had this, was, that, that's what was my North star, like it drove me. <laughs> and so I was driving for that. And then I remember I actually, I, I made somewhere right around that three years in right? I made this tremendous amount of income. And I went and had dinner, I was having dinner with my mom, who's the most unassuming person in the world could care less about money, care anything about fame or any of that stuff. Right. And I was like, Hey, you know, I, I need, you know, this amount of money this year. And, she, and, I, and I was like, waiting for like her to like, bring a present out and like, like bring a band in or something along those lines to just be like, and just to celebrate this. And she was like, Oh, yeah, that's great. And In that moment, I realized that people just don't care. Mm-hmm. That people just don't care. And it it made me actually depressed because what happened was I realized the path that I was on was leading me nowhere I wanted to go. And I didn't know how to get out of it. I just knew that this path was not for me. Everything about this linear life, you get a house, then a picket fence, and then you redo your kitchen, then you get a dog, and then you have a baby, and you have this, and whatever it is, like, that's going to make you happy. And I realized, like, wow, it actually made me worse because I realized by accumulating things and hitting these external goals, that ultimately it, I realized that's not a path to do it. So then I go, well, is there a path? <laughs> and we see this with billionaires. We see this with people, celebrities who kill themselves, who have seemingly everything because they can't get out of their own head of thinking, what happens is they thought that by getting this, that they were gonna feel awesome. And this is what we're all after is juice. We're after mm-hmm. joy and, and spirit and happiness and energy and chi, whatever you wanna call it, it's inside you. And so when they accomplished just about everything, they wake up and realize like, I don't know how to actually make myself happy. So therefore I'm going to hit the destruct button. And that's what people do until you realize for me. And I get it because I was at that point, not suicidal thoughts, but I was at the point where I was like, wow, like what is life? I just really went inward instead of outward. When the seeker is always seeking external, they will seek forever and you'll never satisfy that. When you seek inward, you'll be exposed to a world that is ultimately the one you're looking for and once you realize that then you become a fierce competitor in the business world because you no longer are are, are doing it for the reasons why you were before and it and fear doesn't paralyze you it's still there it just doesn't paralyze you challenges are lighter they don't they don't tackle you right all that stuff and i couldn't say it like i can now because the you know back then but that's ultimately what happened And so I just, at that point in my career, I made it, I made a conscious choice mentally that I was going to do everything inwardly. And that's, that's been my journey for the last 13 years.
0: That's incredible. I, you know, I've, I've heard this or read this somewhere and I, I feel bad that I can't cite exactly where it is in the moment, but confidence and happiness exists at every income level right? Every single income level, confidence and happiness exists. So it's like it, it, the idea of, of constantly trying to have more, make more, you know, do more, whatever that is, is like, of, of course, we have so many examples of it in the world today where that's not the way. we even have people on these pedestals way up there screaming back down the income ladder going this, this was not the way like, okay. Stop, whatever you're doing pivot right now, this was not the way and yet we're not listening. Right? Like why are we not listening to people when they tell us that?
1: Well, I'm gonna go a little deep here so hopefully you can go follow me it. on this. Um, well here's what happens. When you create this self-identity that we talked about earlier, you you get absor- you get absorbed and just you you you're so involved with your thinking that you are your thoughts. The first thing people need to realize is that you're not your you're not your thoughts, you just you're the one who observes them. I'm going to leave that alone for a second to answer your question, but you're not your thoughts. You're just, you're the one who witnesses, like a cloud is not the sky. It's in the sky. A thought is not you. It just arises in consciousness. Okay. So um, when a thought comes in there, the mind now is in control of your life. You think you're in control, but the mind is actually telling you what to do and you, and you're listening to your thoughts and you, you mistake that the, the description of the thought for life. It's like, it's like, the, it's like you're going to a restaurant, reading the menu, thinking it's the meal. Yeah. The menu is not the direct experience of life. Your thoughts are not real. They're just a thought. Show me a thought. Where does it exist? It's not. It's just energy. The nature of the mind, we talked about nature of people, the nature of the mind is to generate thoughts. That's what it does. The problem is, is we've started listening to the thoughts. Then we become the thoughts. And so what happens is, The mind has you, right? The mind has you. And so it says, Oh, Alice, right? Hey, if you go and make this amount of money, man, you're going to feel really good. Right? And then you go, Oh yeah, you're right. Thank you. And you start planning your entire life about going after whatever your mind just said. Then what happens is the minute you get it, the minute you actually achieve what you, the mind said that was going to make you happy for a moment, the mind suspends itself. It's almost like it doesn't know what just happened or what to do next. So it suspends itself in your, in your insatiable amount of consciousness, your stream stops going to the mind and you feel this rush of energy come up. As that rush of energy comes up, it gives you a glimpse of how you can walk around every single day. Then, as we know for everything that happens in life, when you get something, it doesn't take long minutes, days, maybe a month maybe. before, yeah, maybe that's like the longest thing, like lottery winners, like maybe a month, right? Before you realize that like, oh, I need something else to make me happy again. And then, then you go, but I know who can make me happy. The mind can. So you go back to your mind, you who's in there, there's a subject-object relationship. You go back to the mind and you say, mind, I'm not feeling really happy. And your mind goes, you need to move. You need to move cities. And you go, yes, you're right thank you. Then you go move and for four months, you're just ecstatic and you're excited and the same pattern happens again. So it'd be like having a best friend who's sitting there squeezing your arm and you're going, I feel all this pain. And your, and your friend goes, do you want me to show you how good of a friend I am? And you go, yes. And it loosens up your arm for a second and you go, thank you. See what a good friend. It loosened up its arm. Yeah, it's the friend that's squeezing you in
0: the first, in the first place. place
1: in the first place yeah. so that's why people get so absorbed with the mind and their thinking patterns is because they mistake life for thoughts they become the thoughts then as we all know the many of you have a thought you have this little sister called feelings that just amplifies everything and it's not sometimes you got a feeling and then thoughts the majority of it 90% of the time you have thinking first that then just elicits this tremendous amount of feeling that happens and you go see everything and you follow all of that. So nobody's actually living their life until they realize that I'm not my thoughts, that I'm not my thinking. And so you separate yourself, you move back. That's why people are using the word in business mindfulness mind and people are, are, are trying and I get it. It's great. Mindfulness is, is just you realizing that I've been listening to my thoughts my entire life. And that is, a, that is a very scary moment for people because it's the moment they face themselves with going, every single thing I thought about myself isn't true. It just isn't true. Yes, thoughts are relevant or irrelevant. They are helpful or not helpful. Like you're, but they're still fake. Like for instance, if you said, where's the play button on this recording? You have to, that's a thought. That's not real though. That's a thought. Then you go and you actually hit the play button. but that's a useful thought. But the thought itself is still, is not real. The thought itself doesn't click the play button. The thought itself is not the play button. It's just not real. It's just a thought. They're useful. And you and I using communication right now, we're using thoughts. It's useful. It's useful in understanding and, and, and working through the world. But there's a shadow side to it. And the shadow side is when people become absorbed with their thinking. The minute they become absorbed with their thoughts, it's over. They're gone. They're suffering their entire life. There's moments of happiness. There's moments of these things, but the minute they become absorbed, their thoughts, you will suffer your entire life.
0: And that's the fear, the anxiety, the reluctancy, the depression, jealousy, stress, all of that. Those emotions, right? And then we live in those, and then we let those guide our activities and our choices every single day, and it's a spiraling effect. And we find ourselves completely. You know, a year goes by, and you find yourself looking back, what happened? Like where am I? Who am I? What happened to me? Right? It's, yeah, it's incredibly deep, (laughs) incredibly deep. Let's, let's pivot a little bit. Let's, let's move out of the agent phase. You, you have incredible success. You, you start to, you start to get this kind of income and you realize, okay, that's not where happiness is. Um, but yet you stay on the business journey and you start, I'm assuming you start down the path of, of leverage and you develop a group, a team, and at the same time, and I'm guessing somewhere around 2011, you, you launched KW Vermont. This stage of your career is a graduation from where you were. How did you get there? And what were the new challenges that came up?
1: Yeah, you know, you have, you have this, we all have this form practical world that we're living in. While we're here, we have to play in it. And so there's, there's, there's that. So when, you're, when, I, when I decided that I was going to make this world that I'm playing in about business and about people and this is really important because people miss this i basically took all of 2010 was kind of my really jumping off point now i had started dabbling in leadership i was reading leadership books i was i had coaches i i was doing all of the stuff that a lot of people were doing I was, I was getting into it i was learning about leadership i thought i knew about leadership right i thought i knew about all this stuff but little did i know i didn't know anything and i still don't know anything but the uh the thing is when i when i got there i literally realized that i needed to learn about myself and then i needed to learn about other people how they operate how they move how they what makes them tick you know i love i i use a phrase now for everything that you know leaders today know just about just as much about their inner world as they do about spreadsheets and bottom lines mm-hmm. and that's just the, the mentality that i took in 2010 so i literally spent near a hundred thousand dollars in a year on investing into education about myself i would i took every five different Tony Robbins events. I went and studied NLP. I studied psychology. I studied DSM criteria. I went and met with Bain Henyon, who was doing, you know, RS at the time and find out what every vector really meant. I just did everything to learn about me and about the process, about all that stuff. When I gathered all that information, I just inundated. I immersed myself in this for 18 months. And that hasn't stopped, but I really immersed myself. Then when I actually felt I had a collection of things, I then went and started paying To go teach everywhere, and it's funny because people forget this phase that you go through i literally when i mean paying like i would i would say i would call up an office and say hey can i come teach and they said sure come teach i just pay for my way down there i pay for my hotel i pay for anything i wasn't paying like the actual place to teach but i was doing everything else and teaching for free essentially costing money And I did this for like three years and just nonstop teaching, nonstop immersion in it, just learning and doing all these things until eventually you start adding enough value in your teachings that people then start compensating you for it. But the reason why I bring that up is because during that, that, you know, and leadership is a never ending journey, but during that kind of initial phase, I made the decision that I'm all in on this. I'm all in on succeeding through other people. In business and in real estate specifically, we see this in all businesses, but in business, what we do is we think we have a business, but what we have is we have an individual who's there, who's the CEO, the rainmaker, the owner, whatever you want to call them, lead agent, who is literally doing everything through their sheer will and drive. They're making things happen. And then they just happen to surround themselves with some employees that are taking care of the messes that they're shaking. That's the mentality. And people go, why have a business? Why isn't it, why isn't it working like a business? Well, because every model and system and tool is designed to support you not to support the business. And so you don't even know what you're doing. People just are cleaning up all of your messes that you're making. So when I realized that, what I realized is I had to go and change my thinking that it's no longer going to be building a business around me. I was going to build a business around models, systems, and tools. And those models, systems, and tools where then we're gonna I'm gonna put people in to use that to amplify and build a business. I'll give you an example: a college basketball team, right? Duke, for instance, won like four or five championships in like a 12 or 13 year phase. The first championship they won to the last championship won, how many players were the same? Zero. Zero. Right? And so what they built was it wasn't about the players, they built a system, models, tools. And then ultimately what you realize is you built a leadership team that stays that then plugged people into their pro forma or plugged into their system based on their system. So they only brought on people that were going to fit their system. Mm -hmm. And so then when they brought them in, they won championships because of that, not necessarily because of people. Yes, the people who plugged in were really important and people are everything, but the leadership mattered more than anything first because then they went and then attracted the right people to plug into their offense. You, you hear that like, Hey, you need a West coast offense. That's a, you know, in football, that means that I need to make sure that I have a quarterback that can throw the ball or somebody says, I need a quarterback that can run the ball because that's how we're built on our offense. So they go and support people based on the system that they built. They plug those people in. And so that's what I went all in on was I realized that I wanted to build a business that was around people and plugging people into the models and systems of how I wanted to build an organization. And I just went all in on that. And there's a, there's a, there is a phase for about six to 18 months where it feels like you're failing every single day, okay,
0: right. where it
1: feels like I'm in the middle of the forest and there's, I can see six inches in front of me and I don't know how to get out. And you're a and little below, you're two feet from the side of getting out, but it's so thick in there. You don't even know which way is left or right. And that's honestly where people go. It's just easier for me to do it myself. And then they don't realize how further down the path it was. So when you want to go into leadership and building business, you have to commit wholeheartedly with everything you have that I'm going to succeed through other people because it's humbling. It's hard. You have mistakes. People do things that are crazy (laughs) that you wouldn't even imagine. And then you have to still support all of that from behind by succeeding through them. That's the transition people need to make.
0: That's incredible. And you know, as you started on, on this phase with the team leader conversation that we're having, you went through a couple of things that stood out to me. One is understanding people, how they tick, how they work, how they feel, what's their emotional responses to the challenges of our industry. And for a lot of leaders at this stage, they they have to understand the importance of empathy. You have to seek to understand people and how they operate and how they build relationships and what their you know, what is the average agent's pitfall that they're going to experience? What's, their at, what, what's the challenge that basically every real estate agent is going to experience? And then how can I, through systems, tools, resources, and culture, help them overcome those challenges quicker than I did you know, as a solopreneur or, or, or whatever it was? And then you bounce right into teaching. And that we talk about this in our, in our business all the time. I love teaching. I think teaching is such an important part of the journey of growth because it creates mastery. It forces you to understand how to articulate complex ideas to other people. And that is an incredible skill to build because that helps you in expectation setting for people in your business, for your next client, whatever that might be. But you're forced to become an elite level communicator when you teach. And you, in the process, at the same time, you master the content and you improve on that content. Um, so that, that phase, I love to hear you say that because in my mind, I'm going, yes, I love this part because that journey, I think people get caught up in the idea that that journey is not serving them monetarily in the moment but they don't realize the massive value that it has to their, to their internal being, to their skill development, to their communication and to ultimately their career. And of course in our industry, we just do not measure success in our industry in days, weeks, months, or quarters. We measure them in years and sometimes in multiple years at a time. Um, It'll take, it'll take five to seven years. I've
1: started a lot of businesses and built them. It takes from scratch. It takes five to seven years to build any business. You know, yeah. even it doesn't mean they're not profitable. I'm talking about really, even when you just start off right away with with hiring people and building the business. That you know, at this stage, you can use money and your checkbook as a weapon. Um, you you it still takes years to put the assemble the team together. And maybe not five, but um, your first couple of businesses, it's going to take five to seven years to build it to really get it up and just just embrace that suck. I mean, that's yeah. the best way I can say it. If you want to be on that path, you got to embrace it.
0: Yeah, we say that embrace the suck in our business all the time, too. You said, too, in this in this phase, that 12 to 18 months where you're just building and you're just grinding and it just like it feels like such discomfort and pain through that whole time. Yeah. it. it but is it safe to say, though, that that also exists in, in every stage, the agent stage? There's a there's a there's a phase where you might have to bring an immense amount of effort, right? what you lack in skill, you have to make up for an effort during that time. And, and that takes time, the the compounding effect of of your work, like Gary Keller says, time over task over time, right? Success is sequential, not simultaneous. Like, it's one thing to hear these, these little quotes, right? They're powerful quotes, but to live them, to experience them for the, like you said, in the beginning, the 10 or the 12 hours a day, it's different when you're experiencing it. And it's 10 hours a day, or it's 12 to 18 months, like, we want that instant gratification, man, right? Like, give me my success. <laughs> I've been doing this for a month. Why am I not rich yet? And I think that it's it's worth saying that you have to temper that ego, that mind that takes you there that says I deserve, right? And you have to get into the, the growth aspect of this. And I love following your journey thus far, because you you, I, you can see it, you see it in, in your language and your passion, your energy. And I, I've said this even about myself to a much lesser degree, of course, is that my business and my life has grown in direct proportion to how much I've grown as a person, as an individual, and that journey is important for people to understand that that is not like that. That's not separate from success, right? That's part of the journey to success. That inner work. Would you agree with that? I
1: mean, that that is success,
0: yeah. right? Success
1: yeah. without you know without fulfillment is ultimate failure in life, right? And I think um, I think you said something beautifully that. Um, and I just want to touch on when you're an agent, single agent, and you're struggling, you're hand to hand with the struggle. Meaning you are knowing that your energy, you know where you're at, you know what you're pushing, you know what you're doing, you know how much energy you're putting in. So there, there seems to be a, a um, you kind of know what phase you're in when you're struggling a little bit. Like you, it's easier to it's you got to push through it, but it's easier because it's you doing everything. When you're succeeding through others and you're waiting that 12 to 18 months to really succeed through them, it feels like everything's completely exaggerated on time because you're leading through somebody else. You don't have that same visceral interaction with what they're doing. And so you, you mistakenly think that they're just not doing anything. And you're like, well, let me just do it. Because when you're doing it, even if it took you the same amount of time, you know where you're at at every stage of that and you know what you're doing and what's not. And so you can have a, you, you're not judging yourself, but then when you start leading through other people, you, you're not physically doing the work anymore. So then you start looking and going like, well, what are they doing? What are they not doing? And that's, that's, that's what you have to understand that it takes time and it's humbling. That humbling process means that you have to be willing to let them fail and succeed through some of these things, just like you would, but mm-hmm. you just don't see that and don't really want that in the beginning until you really learn that that's the, that's the ultimate path in how you build a business.
0: Yeah, go slow to go fast, right? You have to you have to temper your own expectations to allow people to develop into the role, so that they can ultimately succeed at the level that you wanted them to. Um, let's level up again. Um, we go from Adam as the agent to Adam as the team group leader, and now we're like now you're in a different stratosphere. Now you're now you're legitimately into the business leadership, right? and and you branched off, I know, into a construction company, BlackRock with your brother. You started Adam Hergenrother training, and you wrote this incredible book, which if if you're listening and you haven't read The Founder and the Force Mul- Multiplier, which Adam co-wrote with his chief of staff, Hallie Warner, it's incredible. To be honest with you, it was a massive catalyst for us about six months ago. And, an inc- and if not the reason, one of the top reasons that we are now focused on what's next for us as an organization, um, you know, let's, let's, instead of going too far into like the, the inner workings of those businesses, tell me very simply, what would you tell your children is the most important thing about being a business leader at that level?
1: That self-leadership precedes leadership.
0: What do you mean by that?
1: Well, it's a fancy way of saying that you have to, if you want to play at that level, you have to be able to attract that level of talent. Wow! And in order to be able to attract that level of talent, you yourself have to be somebody that people want to associate with. People at that level will only come and join your side because they see that you're you're adding value in many ways to their life. And so people wonder why they can't attract and hire a Gary Keller or hire, you know, whoever it is they need to hire. The larger you become, and I don't mean wealthy, that's a byproduct of it because i said before you should mention this is the as you as you gain more income you start using your income as a weapon and so you can bring on people but those people will only stay if you're naturally raising their lid and the thing with leadership is leadership is all about changing your perspective and your in your level of thinking or you can say it deeper just changing your level of consciousness what that is is that when you you as a leader need to Create a path for other people to be able to think differently. The only way you can change that way that you think differently is you have to first cut the weeds through it. So, like if you took a big corn maze, I know that you love there's probably tons of corn in Vermont, but we have these massive, and probably where you are too, you have these massive corns and we have corn mazes. And what somebody comes in there and they cut a path to allow you to walk through the corn so much easier. Your job is a leader, and what it does is people don't even realize this. When you cut the path, it creates this vortex that pulls people in your organization to a different level of thinking than they ever thought was possible because they just don't know what they don't know. So you first cut the path as you're cutting the path, visionary leadership, you know, vision, all of that is saying it's unpacking those words to say that, that your job as a leader is to create this vortex that everybody else can just follow. And you're and they're following it because your are thinking and your actions have changed because of that level. And so that becomes the most important thing a leader does is to create that path for other leaders to follow. And you never stop on that path, i.e. Your self-leadership. So you're constantly raising the lid, raising the bar, just putting other words that people may be familiar with. but you're raising this so that people can, they're not going to say, okay, I'm going to go follow them. They just find themselves behind you learning something new. And they go, I don't want to get out of this organization. Look, here's the thing. Anybody can go make any amount of money anywhere. So if they're talent, they can go make it. They can make it any company, any organization. So why do ultimately that level of talent, which is the level we're talking about, they stay? They stay because you're giving them something that nobody else can, which is their ability to change their thinking and change their thinking, change their levels of consciousness. As that change, they become a different they, Their state of being change. And when your state of being changes, nobody else can give that to you. So when you're changing and working on that part of a human being and you're growing and you're profitable and they're making money, and that's a recipe for people to stay in your life. And so that's how you ultimately hold talent and grow talent in your organization. The way I like to think about this from a more surface level is there's three different phases that you're discussing here and you discuss in your podcast. There is a phase where somebody will walk into a store. It's called they walk into a Verizon store. And they walk in there and they say, hey, I wonder who in here I can sell a house to. Great. Awesome. That's a phase one. Wonder who in here I can sell a house to. And you go and you find, you do your services and you try to sell a house to somebody. The second phase of this is when you walk in there and you walk in there and you go, hey, I wonder who I can hire in here. Like, I wonder who I can hire to be in my team. Like, and then they're going to sell some properties for me. And then there's this final stage of business building, which is what we're talking about here today. And that's when you walk into the store and you see it and you go, how do I buy everything? You buy the store, you buy the leaders, you buy the employees, you buy the product, you buy everything. And that's the phases of level of thinking as you all walk into that same store.
0: That's incredible. And, and forgive me if I, if I botched this, but what I'm hearing is almost the same concept going through these three stages. It's personal growth. It's, it's growing as an individual. It's challenging yourself as an individual. You and I had this conversation with, with our coaching around, that like, and this is a misconception I think a lot of people have, that being the leader is the easy part. And it's the exact opposite, mm-hmm. right? Because, because success through others comes with a whole nother set of challenges, right? It's not the absence of challenges in leadership, but the hardest part is doing your own internal heavy lifting. Right, dealing with those things, progressing as as a person, as an individual, as and then ultimately as a leader and then a business leader. That internal work is not easy. And I think a lot of people get into, you know, this whole life coach idea, it's fun and you know, I'm working on myself and rah, rah. Okay, the idea is fun to think about the work, the actionable work is really, really quite difficult. And, and to me, it always feels like people have a hard time making that leap from, from whether it's agent to business owner or business to business leader. Um, what, what do you, why do you think that is? What, why, why isn't it just something that everybody can hop right into and do?
1: Well, I think they're not ready for the inward journey that it takes to do it. And, they, and, and you got to understand there's, there's a lot of people who are amazing individual contributors, and there's a lot of people who are leadership. And one's not right or the other. In fact, individual contributors in the sports world make a tremendous amount more than the coach does, <laughs> right? right? So it's not about money. It's about what ticks you, right? It's about what your nature is. And I look for the people that are in leadership may not be the, the highest individual contributors. In fact, most of the time, they're not. That's the mistake people make is they go, there's an agent on my team doing 60 transactions. I'm going to put them in leadership and then yeah. fall miserable. That's because they're an incredible individual contributor. Then what you do is you figure out a way to support them with leverage, get them an EA, get them a personal assistant, get them, you know, whatever leverage they need to make their life easier. When you're building a real estate business, the, 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 the question you always ask is when people are coming into my world, am I making their life easier? And that's what you focus on, right? It's, that's the top level of that. And so people just, they're naturally either, they're not, they, they, if they're an individual contributor, then you should partner with somebody who's that real entrepreneur, not there's, everyone has entrepreneurship tendencies, right? Which is you have these entrepreneurial tendencies to go build and drive these things. And they mistake that for thinking that you're an actual entrepreneur, two different things, two different natures about that. So you, it doesn't mean you can't, it just means that if you want to move into that, you, man, you've got to be ready for a journey that you've never, you've never buckled up for before. It's yeah. painful. It's challenging. It's all of that if you really want to go down there, that's fine, but you better buckle up.
0: Yeah. And not to oversimplify this, but this is what we see so much in our industry is We see a talented real estate agent that's selling some deals and their next thought goes, well, I'm going to build a team. I'm going to hire some buyer's agents and they're going to go sell for me. They're missing it. They're missing the like, and that's why so many of these agents move into the team. I'm going to build a team mindset and ultimately fail. Right, ultimately tarnish their reputation. There's all kinds of things that happen there, but what makes a great real estate agent is not necessarily what makes a good team leader, right? And for that matter, what makes a good team leader does not necessarily make up the material of a fantastic business leader, business owner. Um, and there's so much growth that needs to be done in each one of those phases, and I feel like we don't highlight that enough in our industry. We don't, we don't highlight that path and the, and the work involved in it, right? Yeah um pivoting yet again um as we start to wrap up here i'm curious selfish question what was your motivation for writing the founder and the force multiplier
1: we um well i think you test everything and, and i have a blog that i write um that i've been writing for a long period of time that um i don't know i think last year alone had like forty thousand people read it and it was in like i don't know 50 or 60, 100, 175 countries, I think, or something like that. So anyways, what we did, we have a pretty good audience. That's my point. And um, it's, people do way, way beyond that number for, for a lot of people. But we had a good audience to reach. And we wrote three blogs about the topic, about the EA and the relationship, and about how that's such an important relationship to a founder and how people don't treat that as one. And we saw this kind of revolution moving towards that. And so we wrote the first article, and it just went off the charts. And then we are like, huh, this is the time of day. was the headline, right? Things that you would do. 60 days later, we wrote another one very similar to that. Hallie and I co-wrote those, right? And we sat down and we did that. And then all of a sudden, the same thing happened. Then we did one more to test it. Like 30 days later, the same thing happened. So we said, clearly, there's a need for communication around this. Yes. And it just, it was, so we tested it in the marketplace. We tested it out there. And we came and we wrote the book. And it's it's been awesome to see the the conversations and the emails and, and, and kind of how it's helped people. Uh, really understand the importance of a force multiplier in your life and what that does for you.
0: Yeah. Do you think a lot of, a, a lot of people that get to that stage where they're ready to hire that EA, that, 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 do you think that their ego is holding them back? Like they, they want, you know, they want to hog the space or they don't need anybody's help. Like, what is it that, that causes those people not to lean into this? Cause I mean, I I know I've I've struggled with it until the book came out until we leaned into it a little bit. And now having gone into this for six months with REA, I'm, you know, my eyes are popped wide open going, I can achieve so much more. And as a result, we can achieve so much more. Like, it's like the next level of Zelda open up for me. (laughs) What, what, why are people not leaning into that? Why is the average, like, you know, middling mid-level agent not taking that step or business owner not taking that step?
1: I think naturally people put energy and time on what's going to make them a quick dollar. So they put their money that they have into sales or some sort of lead generation mechanism without actually taking care of the supporting part of it.
0: Mm-hmm. And so
1: people just go, well, I don't really need operations. I don't really need support. I don't really need an accountant. I don't really need a CFO. I just need people to go sell. And that's just, a, that's a backward level of thinking. Cause if people are selling, then who's going to take care of them selling? That means it falls on you and your job ends up becoming much more. They don't get the value that they see. So as a, as a, in real estate or any business, you have to have the operational foundation to support growth. It's kind of like, if you want to shoot an arrow, you don't just throw the arrow from where it is. What do you do? Pull the boat back, okay. pulling the boat back, gives you the opportunity to let it go. And when you let it go, it flies, right. And it goes much further than it would if you were just to drop it. <laughs> and so that's the whole part of you gotta, you have to rebuild your organization with salespeople, with support, with the founder and first multiplier with operations. And they become, you know, I remember actually, I remember Tony Robbins in business mastery saying the biggest mistake he ever made in his life was never hiring a CFO early enough, even when he was making a lot of money. And, and it's, that was kind of his, his way of being like, I didn't realize what I just didn't know. He talks about assistance as well. I know we're on that topic, but he just it's, it's it's that same fundamental. People don't go out and think about I'm gonna go hire a CFO because I have any free money, I'm either gonna spend it on myself, which is a mistake, or I'm gonna go put it in the sales, which is is which is a mistake because you haven't built a foundation yet.
0: So you know, I'm gonna be vulnerable in this moment because this just came to me. And and you know, one of the things that I was reluctant, you know, in, in going down this path to hire an executive assistant, leaning into it to the degree that that you encourage people in the founder and the force multiplier is I have, I've always, and I, and I know this is common. You've done a podcast on it. I've always had some imposter syndrome, right? I've always had this idea of like, do I really deserve to be here? Like, am I, am I really this person that these people, you know, are holding me up on a pedestal to be? And if I let this person back behind the scenes and see the inner workings of what I got going on, not only in the business, but what I got going on up here mentally. Like I, that, that part for me was a moment where I, I, I stopped in my tracks and went, whoa, am, am, I, am I ready to go down this path? So, I mean, talk to me a little bit about, you know, how you have personally dealt with imposter syndrome and, and what have you done to overcome it? What should other people do to overcome it?
1: Well, I think one, call it out, recognize it for what it is don't think that you're the only, the reason why I did a podcast about it, we break it down a lot in our podcast. But the reason why we talk about it is because I think people are scared to bring it up. It's like, they're like, I I always tell people like, you feel like a fraud and you will, you will feel like a fraud. When you start building a business and all these people are doing other things, and let's just break it down to individual agent hires in EA, they're going, well, why, why would they want to do something that I don't like to do? I don't get it. And it's almost like they're doing all of this work. So I feel like I feel like a fraud because they're doing all the support and they're actually making the business run. Then why are people even going to need me if they're not going to do that? Because look at this person, they're just so talented and they're running the whole show. Then I don't even know what my worth is here. And that's what ultimately happens in your mind. And so you realize that that's a very natural thing. That's a natural process. I remember 2010, I was having a coaching call and I was bored. I actually had built businesses. I I was starting or 2011, maybe somewhere around there. And, um, I remember I was, I was like, man, I don't even know what to do. And they're like, you feel like a fraud, don't you? And I go, yeah, I do. I'm succeeding. I'm making money and I'm just, I'm not actually digging the ditch. Like I'm just watching them. And they go, yeah, you know what? Now your job is, and I go, no, please tell me. They go to go grow yourself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's ultimately what you realize is that is your job is to go read. A, actually, what they told them is go read a book. Your, your actual job is to go read a book for six hours tomorrow and then take that information and go raise your team up. Now, some of the best advice that I ever got, and I've never, I've never lost that, was like, okay, now your job at that level that you're playing at as a leader is to go raise your own lead, self-leadership, right? That's why you raise it. That's why you create new pathways of thinking. And you recognize that nobody else can do that at your level. It's, you don't Look, it's not that you hire people smarter than you for what you're doing. You hire people smarter than you for the job they're doing it for. When you hire a, People mistake that. When you hire a CFO... The CFO is so much better and so much smarter than you at being a CFO. When you hire a force multiplier or EA, they're so much better at it than what you're doing. So give them that opportunity. Nobody's saying that they're better at what you do, which is lead the company.
0: Yeah, that's an incredible way to put that. So as we wrap up here today, I've got two questions that are a little off topic that I want to close with today. And and one is, If you could wave a magic wand and change one fundamental thing about the entire real estate industry, anything at all, but that one thing would have to benefit both agents and the clients. What would you change?
1: Agents and the clients. Um, you know, the, I would love to see there be a higher entry into real estate. And the reason why I say that is not to defer people from getting in there. It's to make sure that when people getting into real estate, that they're really serious about treating it as a job and not like a secondary position that they're going to take because that would benefit the client and that would benefit the real estate industry altogether.
0: I love that answer. And I secretly was hoping that was going to be the answer. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not even going to lie because I, I so wholeheartedly in my soul agree with that. And not because I, I don't want people to have opportunity. I want everybody to have opportunity. But you know what I've always said is I want to walk in a room, any room with any professional, doctors, lawyers, we love to make that comparison in real estate, but I want to feel like I belong, right? I want to feel like our industry is a respected industry, that it's respected by by our, our professional peers, but mostly that it's that it's respected by the consumers because they deserve it. And we should hold ourselves to a higher standard and we should be proud of that, that, that the fact that we're doing so. Um, So I I love that. I love that answer. Um, You know, last question here, uh, relevant to the, to the day and, and, you know, without getting political in any way, do you see the pandemic or the 2020 election having an impact on the real estate industry?
1: It'll have an impact. What that impact is, I don't we know. Tried, yeah, yeah I, I think I know it's kind of like a safe answer. I do think that the next I mean we're filming this August nineteenth, I'm not sure when sure it's there, but I will say that the next ninety days uh, will be very strong. What and then based on majority of economists or financial advisors or analysts that I'm seeing is nobody really quite knows what's gonna happen after these next ninety days. Yeah. I think that I think real estate will stay strong for those who make it their job and are doing everything they can to be in relationship and add value. And then whatever happens, you'll always have a, you'll always be in business because you're the one who's serving the client, serving your employees, serving your agents at a higher level than anybody else's.
0: Yeah, I love it. We, we talk about this in our business. Um, engagement and education are so important right now. Being part of the conversation in a passive way is a thing of the past. Like now is our time to step in, lean into the conversations, the education of the moment, and be able to help our clients understand the market, how how the economy affects the market, how politics affect the market, how the news and the media affect the market and bring them back down to the core reality of, of what's happening and what's in it for them. Um, so I, I love it. Adam. Thank you, man. Uh, Really appreciate you coming on. You're the epitome of authentic agent. And, you know, when you agreed to do this, I thought, my goodness, this is going to be a fantastic conversation. So selfishly incredible day for me. For listeners, I hope you got a ton out of this conversation. If you haven't already, go check out the book, The Founder and the Force Multiplier by Adam Hergenrother and Hallie Warner. And also, Uh, My favorite podcast uh, of the day right now, certainly climbing the list of of my top five at this point is Business Meets Spirituality with Adam. He shares the stage there with Hallie Warner as well. Adam, thank you, my friend. I look forward to the next time we get to have this kind of conversation. You too. Thanks, everybody. Do well.